0: Welcome to the Enlightening Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Hamblin. And I'm your co host, Ashley Schultz. As moms who are currently in the thick of raising kids with big emotions, we know firsthand how challenging their intense behaviors can be and that a little support can go a long way. This is a non judgmental community that was created for you or any mom who's feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, or stressed. Each week,
1: either Emily or I will share our experiences offer practical tips and interview experts
0: in the field so you can be empowered to help your children with their challenges. Join us as we help you enlighten motherhood. Hello, everyone. This is Emily Hamblin. Welcome to another episode of the Enlightening Motherhood podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest, Kathy Gordon. She was one of our guests in our recent summit, Raising Emotionally Healthy Families. And I'm super excited to have her back on the podcast now, this time talking about boundaries, which is something we can all talk about, especially those of us who are raising children with really intense emotions. So welcome, Kathy. We're so excited to have you today. Oh, thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for having me.
1: It's great to be here. Great to be connected to you again. And my name is Kathy Gordon. I'm a certified instructor of hand in hand parenting and a single adoptive mama of I just turned 22 days ago, a son. And I'm also the moderator of our awesome membership program, the parent club community. And I'm, this is one of my favorite topics of boundaries setting limits. So I'm really excited to dig into this today.
0: Okay, well, let's just jump straight in. Can you tell us a little bit about boundaries? You often use the term warm boundaries. Now, what are boundaries in general, and what are warm boundaries, particularly in the context of parenting?
1: Yes, you know, I, I don't know that there's much, we could look in the dictionary, I don't know there's much distinction for our purposes between a limit and a boundary. And you know, when I when we talk about warm limits or warm boundaries, it means that there's connection involved and that we're using a warm tone of voice and that we are assuming that our child is good and they can't think in that moment. And so they need us to help them think. And so it's one of the things that's unique about Hand in Hand is that our setting limits tool is a connection tool. It's a listening tool where we bring the limit, we actually physically connect with the child, both just for the purposes of connection and also to help them stop the off-track behavior. And we're bringing ourselves, we're bringing our warmth. Again, as I said, we're bringing this I like to say that we're communicating a nonverbal, strong nonverbal message, I'm not worried, which can be really difficult to do when your toddler is about to hit the baby. But, you know, as best as we can, we want to bring that warmth, again, that belief, you know, you're good, you're having a tough time, you can't think, I'm going to help you stop.
0: Mm, That's so good. So I'm thinking of one of my kids kicking the chair in front of them on an airplane ride. And I'm thinking, if I'm setting them warm now, if I'm setting a boundary, that doesn't just mean saying "stop kicking the chair," right? What, right. How 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 would we bring this into play there? Yeah, because <clears throat> excuse
1: me, because you know when we see that our child can't think, it means that they can't really process words, they can't process language, they can't process information. There's some feeling, some little knot of tension, some disconnection or something that has, you know, kind of hijacked their brain so that it's the emotional part of the brain that's running the show, not the prefrontal cortex, the higher reasoning part of the brain. So to give a verbal directive, I mean, you can sometimes, if you put your arm around a child and just give them one piece of information, like, sweetie, that's going to bother the person in front of you that one little piece of information and your connection could be enough for them to get back on track and be able to to think but maybe not because they're maybe signaling you in that moment that you know they're feeling disconnected they're maybe a little anxious on the plane i mean planes are a tough example because it's a tough situation because when you bring a limit and, and your 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 child bumps up against that limit you're they're gonna there may there may very well be feelings because it's the feelings that's in the way of them being able to think so there's actually a strategy here of bringing a limit and allowing the feelings listening to the feelings and so that then they can reconnect to the thinking part of their brain um and so planes are tough because Now you're going to put your hand on your child's leg and you're just going to say, sweetie, I can't let you kick the seat. It's bothering the person in front. I can't let you do that. And then there may be big feelings. So it's interesting that you bring up the idea of an airplane because we're not opposed to what I call workarounds in an unworkable situation. And it might be in that situation, you have to use distraction. You know, that's when you bring out the games or the little the toys or the snacks. Because it's not an opportune place to listen to feelings, you know, because they're crying (laughs) children are are difficult for other people on a plane. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there in terms of, you know, if it's Excuse me, if it's, you know, you are, I was going to say driving, but that's kind of another unworkable situation <laughs> for the child is kicking the back of your seat.
0: Maybe um, watching a movie as a family. That might be a better. Yeah.
1: Yes. And there, you know, I mean, it could be you're sitting at the dinner table and they're kicking the table or they're kicking their sibling. And then in that instance, you would actually bring, you know, physically bring your body between them and the object that they're kicking, put your hand on their leg and say, no, sweetie, I can't let you do that. And then listen to the feelings because then that's when they move through the feelings, then they're going to be able to, to they're, they're connected to you and they're gonna be able to think.
0: Mm. That's great. So yeah, that plain one was a little, that one was a little harsh because we don't want other people to have to listen to my kids screaming on an airplane. That that's hard for everyone, but at the dinner table, for sure, that's, that might be a chance to let them. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: And it's a great example though, because there are times where, you know, if you, so going back to the plane, you know, if you snap at your child because you're, embarrassed or worried about the person in front, you know, that's just going to, you know, things are going to spiral downward. Yeah. So it, it it's a good example in the sense of, you know, where, you know, I could bring a limit or a boundary, I could set a boundary by threatening them, by being harsh with them, but it's just going to make, you know, they then they may cry anyway, you know, mm-hmm. so that's a good example of like, oh, we might have to do a workaround here. Or you could bring a playful limit <clears throat> where you could say something like, oh, you know, little girls who kick in the front seat, they're getting a thousand kisses, you know, here's the kissing monster and you can't get away from the kissing monster on a plane. And so, you know, you maybe you try to get, to get them to kiss them, but your seatbelt is holding you in and so you can't quite get to them, you know? And so you could get some laughter going so that brings connection. It brings laughter, which is a release of feelings, and you know, you a way to get them to stop <clears throat> stop the behavior. Without you know, the warm limit is often going to bring big feelings, whereas a playful limit is going to bring laughter, which you know everybody on the plane is relieved when your child is laughing. <laughs> Oh, that's great that's a good example in the sense that you know you got you have options in that instance you have options
0: mm, that's so good yeah I I know for sure probably the way I was raised if I were kicking a chair it would have been stop kicking it stop kicking the chair. I said stop kicking it and then there would be yelling and then people not only have to deal with me kicking the chair they have to deal with my parent yelling at me and then yeah there's just not a good vibe so I love this idea of We don't have to let them keep kicking that chair, but we can do it in a way that just feels better for us, for our children, and honestly, for everyone in that plane ride. So that's so good. So I know a lot of parents worry that when they do set a limit or they hold a boundary with their child, their kid may end up melting down. They may end up screaming. They may end up crying. They may end up saying things that the parent thinks are very hurtful you know, otherwise reacting in ways the parent really doesn't want. So sometimes it's really hard to want to set that boundary. Like, Oh, I know that it's time to get off that video game. I know if I enforce this, that we're going to have some really intense emotions come out. So I kind of just want to let them play for the next seven hours. (laughs) Not really, but that's, that's what it feels like in the moment. Right. What would you say to that when, when we're worried about setting the boundary because of how our child might react?
1: Yes. Well, I I love this question, Emily, because when I decided to adopt and decided to become a mom, I had a a belief that I was never going to say no to my son Mm -hmm. because no, when I was growing up was always said with a snarl or, you you know, my like red face and like in that tone of how could you be so stupid, right? So I thought, I'm never going to say no to my son because I don't want him to feel, I want him to feel loved. And I felt unloved when, you know, when you, you, someone's snarling at you. So what, I, what, unfortunately, what it would do is I would become patient, 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 you know, like I'm letting him play, watch the TV, you know, and then I, you know, I, I, I try to set a limit, but now I'm out of patience and so I would lose it. Yes. So what I love about Hand in Hand is Patty Whipple, our founder says it's good to set limits early and often. And think of them like, you know, that think of that upset as like, it's as natural as having to pee or poop, you know, that it's kind of like our our emotional. So those things are our body's natural cleansing process. And the big feelings coming up is our nervous system, our emotional processing centers, natural cleansing process or natural healing process. And sometimes, like we talked about uh, on the airplane, sometimes when you connect and you give them one piece of information, that is enough, that, that connection is enough to get cooperation. But if there are feelings in the way, then when you bring the limit, Dan Siegel in his book parenting from the inside out describes it like a limit is like they've got their foot on the gas and then you put your foot on the you know you put your foot on the brake but their foot is still on the gas so you know what happens you know you that sound that happens in a car when you know you you you, your foot's on the gas and you put on the brake there's that you know you know it's not a very it's a it's a it's it's a sound that you go like oh you know i think this car's something's wrong with this car yeah. so that's if you have that image of like their foot's on the gas and you put their your foot on the brake but their foot's still on the gas that is going to cause some tension and some release of feelings and the if you again if you think of it as that same idea of like a natural cleansing process then you can also think of like that when they move through the feelings, they get back to their thinking their thinking brain. And they, you know when we talked in the raising a healthy families summit, you know I, I talked about our parent to parent emotional support to a listening partnerships. And when we get listening time, then we're going to have more capacity to listen to our kids. We're going to be able to see the hurt that's underneath there that's coming out, and one of the things I like to say about the language that comes out, I like to say, you know, um, translate. You know, "I hate you" means "I hate the way I'm feeling." Um, "Go away" means "I wish these feelings would go away." "You're the worst mommy ever" means, again, you know, like I, I. I I really I don't I don't like this is uncomfortable, you know, I don't like the way I'm feeling. So I guess the the uh, bottom line about this is if we see it as healing, if we see it as actually building resiliency that a child can bump up against a limit, move through the feelings and come out the other side. And then we can welcome those feelings. We get cooperation, we get more cooperation, we get more flexibility, we get more resiliency. You know, there were times with my son where I would hold a limit and he would have huge feelings. And then he was I don't know, like more flexible for, for several
0: days in a row. So do you have any examples on where, you know, setting and holding a limit has actually helped the child parent relationship? Oh, yes. So
1: I have this great story of, so my son, because of his learning challenges, did not learn to read until he was boy, about 10, 10 and a half. So now he's, it's around that time. He's just kind of cracked the code. We're homeschooling. We're doing this little assignment where there's four paragraphs. He has to read the, the there's like, and there's like four sentences in each paragraph. You got to read the, the paragraph and then underline the topic sentence. So he's he's saying I can't I can't I can't and my mind is going you know okay what now does does he need vision therapy you know like and so you know I might like the 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 hamster I'm on the hamster wheel but but I am I'm doing this we we call setting limits we we have a three step process of where we listen which means we like check in with ourselves check in with the situation check in with our child, this is all sort of radar, not really like, not verbal, but kind of with our radar, you know, is a limit needed? Is the limit developmentally appropriate? Is the limit, you know, do I have the capacity to listen to the feelings? Okay, yes, I do. And, or no, I don't. no, I'm not sure what's going on here. So I'm gonna do a workaround, which is what I did for two days in a row, gave him a different assignment. Then I got listening time. And I, in listening time, I, I really, I I got to express all my worries and I I got to grieve that he may never love to read as much as I love to read. Reading might always be hard for him. I got to have a good hard cry about that. And then when my feelings cleared and I had more access to the thinking part of my brain, I, I had the light bulb moment. I don't know what his eyes can see, but I do know he's got feelings around this. So that third day, I held a limit. I said, "Sweetie, this is what we're doing. We're doing this," and he got super upset. He actually—I don't know if he took off his shirt or he had his shirt off—and he started to try to whip me with his shirt. So I grabbed a blanket to hold the blanket up in between us because now I'm the safety manager. Uh, with physical with physical aggression, we we you know it becomes a matter of I'm going to hold a safety limit. Mm-hmm. But then it immediately turned playful. And so he started whipping me over the blanket and under the blanket and he's laughing so i took the blanket wrapped it around his arm and pulled him towards me we you know bumped into each other fell on the ground we're both laughing it turned into a pillow fight he heaved this big sigh he said can i have special time Uh, i said sure i got five minutes what do you want to do we tossed the football around for five minutes he came back in he sat down he did the assignment like that Mm -hmm. like no complaints, no, I mean, like no evidence of a learning challenge. I mean, he just, he just, it, I was blown away. So, in that long story, what I'm telling you is that, you know, I used, actually used all of our hand in hand tools where I got listening time in order to know what limit to set and how to set it. I set, I set a limit. It turned into play listening, where I was. At first, I was stay listening to his anger. Then it turned into play listening. Then we did special time, and then and then he 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 sat down and did it. And not only did we get cooperation, but there was more flexibility, more resilience, more confidence, and our relationship was good and, and still intact. You know, I hadn't I didn't have to use threats or bribes. I did do workarounds those first two days while I was trying to figure out, you know, if this was the right limit to set. But so that's a that's a long anecdote about how, you know, bringing a limit and then also using the other tools in terms of stay listening to his feelings and then getting playful and play listening threw a little special time in there, all of that releasing of his feelings and connection, those two things is what then allowed him to, you know, he released the the, the anxiety that he had about reading and he was able to do it.
0: That is such a beautiful example there. Okay, I'm going to give you a scenario now. Um, We're going to go with maybe an 11 year old or somewhere we'll we'll go up to the tween age because it gets a little bit harder with them I think with incorporating some of these things let's say they're playing a video game because I know here that's one of our difficult boundaries for sure and okay it's time to get off the video game the the agreed upon time is up and we ask them to get off they're not getting off okay what next I love this
1: example, because first of all, you know, you've probably as a family, or maybe you and your partner have come up with policies, right? And, 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 you know, you had a family meeting and you all agreed upon it. But then just because there's a policy in place doesn't mean that in that moment, a child's going to be able to, to do it because and it's great that you use this example of video games because they're they're a drug their video games are a drug so when you bring a limit around screens you're getting a double whammy because first of all there's the drug withdrawal they don't want to get off the drug and there there's actually research that shows that that, that some children's brains, when you cut off that drug, their brain goes right into fight flight. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have just the regular um, feelings that come up when somebody bumps up against a, a, a something that they don't want to do, um, but you, you've you got drug withdrawal. So the best way to handle this is, is absolutely to connect. You got to come in, sit down connect with them maybe you play a little bit of the video game with them and then you literally put your hand on the controller or you put your hand on the remote and you say sweetie we're going to turn off the the game now and then you listen to the feelings and it because it's drug withdrawal it might get really big because again you're getting that double whammy so, you know, you might want to have a blanket handy to kind of wrap them up in a blanket and, and, and turn them into a burrito. You're going to give them a vigorous snuggle, but that's a difficult limit because of that double whammy. But it's still, the strategy is still the same in terms of coming in, connecting, physically bringing the limit, and then listening to the feelings, which may be super big because of the drug withdrawal. And for some kids even get physical. So
0: that's good. I know for our family, we have to have a plan with our children. They have very strong wills. So if they're, they're part of that plan from the beginning, they tend to tends to go better. Not that it always goes amazing, but it goes a little bit better. So they help me plan ahead of time. Okay. You know, we're, we're going to let you do the video game and we're careful about what video games we allow in our house. I honestly don't like any of them, but you know, I'm not the only, (laughs) I'm not the only one here. So, but In any case yeah having them choose okay you know how long is this going to go on for when the timer goes off what what's our plan and i found out the same like you said if the plan is okay the timer goes off i'm going to finish up the section that i'm in like if they're in the middle of a race on mario kart or if they're in the middle of a game on pac-man party that they're not going to have to end it in the middle of that 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 helps a lot and if i go over and i sit with them and join in like, oh. I become part of it. It makes it easier. Not that it's always easy, but it really helps to ease that when they realize like, I'm not in my own world over here and my mom's over there. And then she comes to stop what I'm doing. It's that she's in here with me and she's on my side. And I might even be like, oh, that was so fun. This is a bummer. We have to turn it off. Oh, a little frustrating. Of course, sometimes my 12 year old says, so why are you, why are we turning it off, mom? (laughs) That launches a whole new conversation, but yeah, that definitely helps a lot to have that plan in advance. Sometimes we still have the big feelings. Sometimes I have to, okay, the plan was that you wanted to turn it off yourself. I see you're not doing it. Do you need me to turn it off for you? Do you want to be the one to turn it off? And usually they they almost always want to be the one to turn it off. That helps. And then yeah. it goes off and there might be some screaming. There might be some crying. One of my kids gets up and starts to jump on our indoor trampoline just for about 20 minutes. And that's a really good coping mechanism, but we're we're ready for it. It's also helped us. We don't do screen time every day. We try to bulk it. So sometimes they can get a longer period once in a while. Yeah,
1: that's great. All of that is so wonderful, Emily. You're doing such great thinking around both your values, you know and how you want to incorporate your values into those family policies you've included your children in the discussion of family policies and you know and what's really great about you know your description of what happens is that your children are still able to think well enough to make choices when it comes time to turn it off like do you you know, you're giving them a choice. Do you need me to turn it off or can you turn it off yourself? That all of that is really wonderful. And then what's important is that if your child says, I'm gonna turn it off, but they're still not able to turn it off. That's when we have to physically bring the limit. That's when we go, oh, their words are coming out of their mouth, but their thinking part of their brain is not connected to the words that are coming out of their mouth. So they actually do need me to help. So even, and parents can feel like, well, but aren't I overpowering them? Because, you know, they said they were going to turn it off. But if they say they're going to turn it off, and you see that they're not able to do that, that means they can't think that means they need our help. Mm-hmm. And, and yes there's probably going to be some big feelings but you know so you know my description was of was when you know the child uh, can't kind of process the the negotiating you know and parents sometimes will continue to negotiate when their child actually cannot think so you know they think well okay if I just give them five more if I just give them five more if I just give them five more. And that's where you know we get into like patient 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 and then we blow up. Boom. <laughs> Actually they they if 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 we're in that stage of negotiating and they really can't think then we need to bring the the limit early before we lose the capacity to listen to their feelings. So that's just the distinction about noticing, well, we're having a conversation, but are they really able to process what we're talking about you know and if they're still playing and not connected to you and not doing what they said they were going to do then you know okay they can't think now they need my help to help them stop
0: Mm. okay so there are there any specific strategies that you would recommend for parents to better connect especially with children that are maybe neurodivergent or Otherwise, tend to have really intense emotions in general. Any way that they can better connect with them, particularly in the context of setting boundaries.
1: Yeah, it's a great question because and and you know, hand in hand, which has been around for about forty years, really started with Patty Whippler in her child development center, and she will tell you that most of the children with whom she worked were what you know we now call neurotypical. So we're relatively, you know, a lot of our, there's a, a group of instructors who have children that would say, you know, their brains are wired a little bit differently. And and so, you know, with maybe more intense emotions or maybe some, some uh, like a sensory overwhelm. So we're just kind of learning about using the hand-in-hand tools with children who this idea of like, I bring the limit, they have their feelings, they reconnect to their thinking process that with a a child who processes a little bit differently, it might not happen exactly that way. And, you know, so, for example, there there is a mom uh, in the parent club community who discovered that bringing a warm limit and listening to feelings with her son really wasn't effective because he would kind of get in a loop of feelings and sort of like it would never get to that place of like, okay, I've moved through the feelings. So she discovered that it it was better to bring playful limits, Mm -hmm. that when she was playful and she got laughter going, that that was a better release of feelings for him to get back into connection with her and and then able to process what she was asking him to do. So that's one thing that parents can experiment with. Is it better? And then there's some kids who are like very rigid, you know, sort of black and white thinkers that tend to really get upset when we get playful. And so then that might be a child that you do actually want to bring a warm limit, you know, and and then listen to feelings. The there's also, you know, we say physically connect. There are some children, the, because of their sensory, way their sensory processing is, is that physically connecting is too overwhelming. So you're looking for a sweet spot where you might, um, you know, bring the limit or hold the expectation you, you know, you sort of maybe you come close. Oh, that's too overwhelming for them. So then you take a step back. And so we have one instructor who discovered that when she was bringing a limit and then they would get big feelings that it was best for her to sit down and so that she was a lower than them. And I actually, I actually did that with, with my son quite a bit <clears throat> when he would, you know, kind of get wound up and kind of be walking around the room and maybe he'd be like tossing things and as long as it wasn't anything of value you know as long as he's like he was just tossing clothes or maybe throwing papers like okay that's like part of his release i'm just gonna be at a lower level than him so that you know it's not too overwhelming not too overpowering mm. so those are some of the things that 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 uh, that i would suggest and you know even though we we are now using these terms neurodiverse neurodivergent <clears throat> you know spirited child i like to think of it that every brain every nervous system is a universe unto itself <clears throat> you know every every child processes a little bit differently and so you and you know you may have one child that it, it works really well to bring a warm limit and listen to feelings another child if you do that it's like overwhelming for them and they get in this loop so you found that with them it's better to be playful with one child you want to you know they want you they see it seems to work really well when you get really close another child you need to keep a little bit of distance you're looking for that sweet spot where you're not so far away that now you're giving verbal directives but you're not so close that you're overwhelming them Mm -hmm. so you can move from one tool to another you can be setting a warm limit oh okay that's a too overwhelming now i'm going to move into being more playful and like the example i gave with my son like he sort of naturally went from where i was listening to big upset feelings to then it got playful Mm -hmm. so i was following his lead on that so you know you you can you always have options of, am I gonna, you know, get physically close, bring a warm limit, or am I gonna, you know, be playful, maybe get a chase game going, you know, threaten to be the kissing monster, raspberries on their tummy, you know, a to- oh, you know, little boys who do that, they get tossed on the couch, you know, and then you get laughter going. So you always have options in terms of holding a boundary. When it's a matter of physical safety, we absolutely have to come close and, you know, if they're hurting themselves, if they're hurting us or hurting the House, we absolutely have to help them stop. And, you know, we can do this, you know, with a gentle containment with our own bodies, we can do it with blankets. I used to with my son. I had these trifold mats. I would hold up the mat and hold it up in between us so he could pummel the mat. You know, so with safety, we act, absolutely have to come close and help them stop. But otherwise, you know, if you're if your intention is to connect and get underneath the behavior to the feelings that are driving it. Then you know you have some options on how to do that. And we're not so committed to stopping the behavior or changing the behavior in that red hot minute because we realize that if we listen to the feelings and they get back to that thinking place, then it's going to create resiliency and flexibility that they may be able to hold, you know, to to to. Follow our guidance and and respect our boundaries and and be you know be okay with this limit in, you know, tomorrow and the next day.
0: Mm, that's so great. I love this idea of always seeing children as individuals. I'm pretty sure that science has found that each brain is like a fingerprint that they're completely unique. And some brains might have more in common, and that's why we might say, Autism tends to have a lot of these traits in common, but even within the autistic community, every single person is an individual. So I love this idea of learning these tools and then adapting them and being very flexible of what works with our children and you know, learning what doesn't and meeting our kids where they're at. That's a wonderful piece of advice right there. Thank you.
1: Yes, you're welcome.
0: Well, before we wrap this up, I'm sure people will want to connect with you. Where can they find you? So they can find me at handinhandparenting.org
1: is, you know, I'm on the website, Kathy Gordon. They can also find me. We have an app, the Hand in Hand Network, and I'm there. I'm there every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific to do an Ask Me Anything. I'm also on our app is also our awesome Parent Club community. And you can find me seven days a week there. So yeah, you can find me through hand in hand.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Kathy.
1: Oh, thank you, Emily. It's just always delightful to talk to you. You're such an awesome mom and you know, the work that you're doing, the sharing information with parents is really, really wonderful. And I'm, I'm honored to, to be a guest and to, to support you in that work.
0: Thank you. Likewise. I always enjoy connecting with you. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.